Hey, everybody, welcome to Improv FAQ at length. This is a series of longer conversations about improv topics that have lots of questions surrounding them. I'm James K. Sada. I'm Bob Wick. And we have our good friend as a guest joining us. It is Chris Fortin. How's it going, Chris? Hello. I'm well. How are you guys? Doing good, man. Doing well, man. Good to see you. Thanks for yeah, joining. Yeah, good to see you guys. Uh, Chris is a good buddy of ours in the Metro Detroit improv community. Um, and the topic for this episode, we... <laughs> What's the topic? Before recording is humor theory as opposed to Bob's interpretation of the text, humor therapy. <laughs> no. You don't make me that's read just, things. Don't make that's me just read me things. laughter is the best medicine for 45 minutes. Yeah, and that's right? it. No other thoughts. I push my feelings down and then I make a joke. There we go. <laughs> um, but it's humor theory. And um, so, Chris, you chose this topic. And can you start it up, start us off by just um, saying what you had in mind or what made you want to talk about humor theory? Sure. Uh, I love talking about humor theory. Um, it's one of those things that we never really talk about in in improv. Um, I don't know if, if you know, stand-ups or, or sketch people spend more time talking about it, but I don't really have that impression. Um, like we love talking about the moves that we make and the stuff that we create, but it's so rare that we go like a layer deeper or two layers deeper to say, okay, but why does it make us react? Why does it work? Um, and there is, as much as I try and squash it, my, my engineering brain, I can't help but look at this art and just try and dissolve it into its little, indis, you know, discrete particles to pull it out and put it in a box and look at it. Uh, and I will say right off the bat, it kills humor. The more you <laughs> oh, look yeah. at humor theory, it ruins it. It ruins comedy. It's for you. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, well, yeah. I think that's probably the thing with um, stand-up and sketch or comedy writing as opposed to improv is that if you overthink it, uh, I, I, I think partly it's like, there's a temptation to hack the system. Right. And mm -hmm. for something that's supposed to be free flowing, that is less appealing or more of a, uh, a concern as a side effect, as opposed to, um, writing it. Yeah. I, especially for improv, any sort of extra filter of, okay, what type of humor are I doing? You know, what's, how, how is this joke working as you're saying it? It only gets in the way and prevents you uh, from having it be more successful. But like, even an individual sketch, it's hard to like use it as an application. Like the more time I've spent with humor theory, because this is a topic that I've loved for a couple of years now, um, it's really, its greatest strength is being descriptive of humor and tone and style. It is not very well suited to generating content. Like it's it, knowing how something works is very hard to reverse it and use it to create stuff. Uh, that's something that I've tried a little bit with and it does not work well. <laughs> yeah. I, or, or, when it, oh, or when it does work, it's unfulfilling because you're just using a formula. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel very creative and predictable. And you don't want to write something that's formulaic and, you know, more of the same. You're trying to, when you're doing these things, you want to be an individual and 
groundbreaking. But if you just plug in your words into something that someone taught you years ago or you read of years ago, it's it's kind of it feels flat. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it's too much. You can see the strings of right? how it's working. Uh, like good humor. Like if you take one good comedic moment that you love, odds are it's funny for like four or five different reasons. Uh, and like going through and trying to use humor theory to create a model of humor, it usually simplifies it so much that you aren't going to create a fully fleshed out joke like that. After the fact, you can take a good joke and say, okay, so it's, you know, it has this element of taboo and it has this element of satire and it has this element of like recognition and realization. But taking those ideas and then putting it in front of the cart, uh, no, you get one of them. And then, yeah, it's like you said, it's, it's a flat joke at that point. Yeah. Um, my friend in the music world, um, I've, I've always had a hard time understanding music theory um, or using it in a practical way. And he pointed out to me in a conversation that uh, music theory is descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, it's it just oh. I, what, what happens um, consistently uh, more so than than it's supposed to be used as a method for creation. Right. Yeah. Um, but so what you, you said, you have been really into the. Uh, humor theory for the last couple of years like how did that start and what have you gained from looking at it i it would have started i'm sure it just would have come from starting improv being obsessed with improv and then just googling whatever i could um so the humor theory wikipedia page is actually like a very nice clean site that's very informative um oh, it's cool. pretty robust um, so I would have started there. Uh, oh, hold on. I'm in a mirror. Uh, this is a collection of humor theory books oh. that I thought I would do as nice uh, stage direction for. Oh, okay. <laughs> stage dress, set dressing. Shoulder on the mirrored. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I have to get out of the way to show. No, I like the oh, reveal. Oh, but... these guys? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, but like, and so, yeah, I, I think it just comes from want like loving comedy and wanting to understand it better and then ultimately having it be something that like destroys comedy as much as creates it which is fun um but like the actual things that i got out of it i think that it has been helpful when it comes to not necessarily creating my own material but for uh acting as like a writing teacher or a director or a coach um I think it gave me a more robust vocabulary to describe things and to identify ideas. Um, Cause that's one thing that I think we run into a lot in improv specifically, um, but also sketch uh, to some degree of, we have all these euphemisms for things. You know, we, we describe the feeling, we say, oh, this has to hit harder or, you know, there's not a turn, like where's the snap of the reveal. Um, we're we're always using this wishy-washy language that is not that descriptive, but we all understand it. We all get a feeling from yeah. it. But yeah, it's not it's not a strong vocabulary that we have. Doesn't punch as well. It needs more punch. It, we need punch. Yeah. <laughs> but then you got to talk about punching <laughs> up versus punching yeah, yeah. down, <laughs> right? <laughs> or can you punch us up for me? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not in love with it. Uh, but I, I I love the point of you know especially when you're doing the process where you're you're scripting or creating a script from something you improvise 
And if that person wasn't there when you improvised it or wasn't part of that scene or set, um, the translation of ideas can be rough. I mean, like one of the hardest things you do when you're when you're writing sketch is pitching the sketch. So the more theory you or the vocabulary of theory is very helpful. The hell is that? God agreeing with me. <laughs> wow, your God is an angry God. No, no, he's a big clown with the, one of those zappers on his hand. That still sounds angry, Bob. Yeah, you know, I, I think with um, I think with improv, to me, the interesting thing about it is. Or, or, or one of the interesting differences between improv and scripted or written material is there's something funny inherently about the process of improvising. I, I, it, that's how I feel about it is that there's some yeah. absurd task built into it to where um, it, it's kind of funny on its own to try and uh, create a, a coherent new reality without a plan or a script or being able to um, directly communicate with your uh, scene partner. And, and it's just kind of funny when you're able to pull it off. Yeah. Um, and especially I think going with that, um, you create a certain tension with the audience, just having them know that it's improvised. So like anything could happen at any time. And I think that that creates constant tension that then gets relieved also consistently yeah. like anytime you make a choice the audience was wondering what was going to happen because nobody knows and then you get that relief uh, <laughs> god agrees god the ea he loves release so classic god um because yeah there's uh like surprise is such a big part of humor um james years ago you sent me a uh, interview with uh, Seinfeld. Where oh. I, he's actually talking about he's talking about a type yeah. of meditation, right? Yeah, he's talking about uh, transcendental. Yeah, at the end of it, which the whole thing was a fascinating uh, uh, thing to watch. But at the end, uh, the interview asks him if you could summarize humor or comedy. What is it? And his answer was, it has to contain some element of surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, yeah, that that goes hand in hand with improv perfectly because everything is a surprise. Like whether it makes sense, it's a surprise or it doesn't make sense. It's a surprise. Uh, like it's set up for success in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That it is such a, I think a simple, powerful answer. And I, I that's uh, so great that you brought that up, uh, that interview, because if anybody is interested in, uh, this topic of of uh, humor theory, there there is there's at least some mention of it because it's uh, Seinfeld talking about uh, he's talking about meditation, but he's talking about it through the lens of being a performer and a comedian. So there's a lot of um, relationship between like uh, his ability to be calm and clear headed and um, have good stage presence, comfortable uh, performance, um, and 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 how those things comfort and uh calm as a performer allow him to do his job better like what is the relationship of of being having a confident calm presence and uh, an audience's ability to enjoy enjoy what you're doing or laugh um uh, so people should definitely check that out um 
and then yeah surprise and and you also mentioned chris uh uh building and breaking tension which i think is such a powerful tool too and probably related the idea the surprise is the break in tension right yeah I, I, it's interesting that you said about Seinfeld wanting to talk about stage presence and like putting people at ease. Uh, Cause one idea that shows up in humor theory literature um, less commonly, uh, it, it isn't, it doesn't show up in most of the books, but it's the idea that humor isn't an action. Like it's not so much a behavior so much as it is a mood. I, uh, because you can look at humor that, you know, it works for you sometimes and it doesn't work for you other times. Um, and you can look at, uh, like, we've all seen that guy that sits down in the front row of the show and he's got his arms crossed and he's scowling and nothing is going to make him laugh. Uh, and nothing will because he has decided he's not going to. He doesn't have the capacity for humor then. Um, yeah. So this lost, idea of like... Lost the rock, paper, scissors to... Who for right. who decided where to go that time? <laughs> yeah, he wanted to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. That's yeah. not happening. So yeah. fine, he'll go to the show. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but so like it goes with this idea of like humor isn't objective. It's subjective. But there's ways where like, like something that works sometimes doesn't work others. Mm -hmm. So this idea of like you having to be in some sort of state for humor to work is very interesting um, and that's why, like, in that interview, like, stage presence is so important. Like, if people are stressed or angry uh, or, like, too uncertain, they're not going to be able to have humor. So, like, right. stage presence and, like, setting the tone of your show, making sure they know what's happening. Uh, we've all been to those midnight shows that were just, you know, oh, can I swear on this? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, they were clusterfucks. Ooh. Is that the swear word you're going for? That's what I'm going for. And I will never swear again. That feels like a technical <laughs> term. Uh, but like those shows are less enjoyable because you're sitting there saying, well, I don't know what's happening. Like I'm sitting on top of two other people. When is the show starting? It's not enjoyable. Like no matter how good the performers are, once they start, it won't work as well because you've actually like diminished your capacity for humor. This makes me think of the, have you guys ever heard the Tig Navarro, I have cancer monologue or Ooh. routine? Is that routine? I, I don't know what they call it. The moment, um, she was doing a show, I think it was like a, a, a charity or something, and she had just found out that day that she had cancer. And rather than doing her, her set, she just kept on repeating, I have cancer. And at first, it, it is very, like, it's real, you know? And she's like, this is not a joke. I found out. She goes into it. And, like, she's comforting everybody and herself at the same time and it gets really dark but then it like i, I don't know how it happens but you, you get to the other end of it and it, you start laughing and it, it, it what first starts as this very uncomfortable like dreary set becomes this really like loving like oh we're just all we're all humans and we're caring for each other right now and one of the humans in this room is going through something let's Let's just celebrate them, and it's incredible. It's probably yeah. the most, a brilliant piece. Like, <clears throat> and, and just something. She's like, I don't know where it came from, but I just had to get it off my chest, and it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, and like that's what she does. She she starts off by like building the ultimate attention <laughs> by talking about her own mortality, and then coming out of it like, hey, but 
you know, we have right now we have each other and guys still have cancer, you know, <clears throat> holy fuck. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and the release, the tension is slow and then it builds. And then, you know, once you pop, you know, once you start letting the, letting the air out of the balloon, it just, it flies away. And then it's, you know, people are laughing and, and she's, she's really like just so focused during that whole thing. And, yeah. and, and her focus is a on the word she's using, but also I, I have to guess, I can't speak for her um, of the tension in the room and how, how, fast or slow is she releasing it with mm-hmm. because she doesn't do jokes per se but she does do like for lack of a better term like observational things you know she talks about seeing a picture at her mom's house and like i wish i could tell that 12 year old girl who was me in the picture it's like yeah when you turn 32 you're gonna have cancer you know and it's just it's incredible and it translates yeah. to like audio it's incredible like how how something so smart and you know has this organic but also very structured pull to it is so amazing yeah like right when she comes out at the top of that she has to like speak over people that are laughing at her saying she has cancer to make sure they understand no i am telling you right now i have cancer which only gets more laughs until it doesn't get any laughs Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the fact that kind of going back to the mood stuff, like she does eventually create an environment where that mood of humor can exist again. Like she breaks all that, she creates all that tension, breaks it, lets it build up again during that serious part in the middle. And then by the end, yeah, she's got everybody laughing while she's still talking about having cancer. Like she created that tone and mood, uh, to make it allowable, which yeah, that, that, yeah, that whole bit's amazing. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating, and I'll definitely have to check that out because I, I, it sounds very vaguely familiar, but it's definitely not something that I've ever. Um, it, you say it's uh, like a video or audio. There's a YouTube. I think it's a two parter. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it's it's just interesting, and and to me, it just on the humor theory subject is like there again it, it kind of speaks to the fact that there's something so much more um subjective and uh there's uh it's mysterious and it's also um elemental or like spiritual that like comedy you can kind of boil it down to some of these uh i guess tricks bag of tricks or tools which are yeah <laughs> But there's also like, something that like you could never guess about that situation that like is something something much more elemental than the surface level things that make comedy work. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, like there's no there's no one good universal theory of comedy. Uh, like the main ones you look at would be things like superiority theory. Uh, relief theory, uh, benign violation theory, like those are all real common ones. None of them can be used to perfectly describe every piece of humor. Like you can always find one piece that doesn't fit neatly into one of those boxes. Can you Um, mind giving a a quick description of each one of those? Uh, Oh, sure. I, I, I could guess at those, but I don't really, I'm not as familiar as you. Yeah, yeah the, the title is pretty self-explanatory. But yeah. let's go those ones are pretty good. I mean, there's other yeah. ones. Um, semantic relief theory, I can't describe very well, but like that's another one. 
Um, I've never heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. In, in wordplay. In, yeah, in yeah. Congress, juxtaposition, juxtaposition theory is another one. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, the, I think the three I said were um, relief theory, superiority theory, and benign violation theory. Um, so relief theory uh, is pretty much exactly what we've been talking about, that laughter uh, as a response. Um, so humor creates laughter, which is a response to relieve tension. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all relief theory is. Um, so that one like it has a, like a little bit of a biological aspect. It's just saying, or part of it is saying that like our body wants to be at homeostasis. It wants things to be normal and just even and to like not be out of whack. So when our body experiences tension, something has to relieve it, relieve it, uh, release it. And in this case, it's laughter. And that's what the expression of humor is. So that, that can be relieved other ways. You know, you might cry from being too stressed or get angry. But in this case, it's laughter is how that's relieved. That's um, fascinating. So, and so it's yeah. really like it's your body's way of being like, phew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I, this one, I think it's actually better described with the benign violation theory because it's kind of saying the same thing. Um, but the benign violation theory would describe it as uh, humor is the response to your perceived, your, you perceiving a threat and then deciding it's benign, that it's not actually a concern. And then that relief you feel is humor. Mm. So this one, you have to have a really broad definition of what the violation is, which also when you say the word violation too much, it's just, it's such a, just a yeah. bad word. I wish it was named something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. They didn't name that in 2020. <laughs> it's not. It's really set up for this. It's it's got to get rebranded. Uh, Armed threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the 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 threat or the violation, it's not necessarily um, a physical thing, but it's more a violation of your preconceived notions. Uh, it's some belief of how the world works or how things should operate uh, that is violated. Something works against it. But then you look at it and you say, oh, no, 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 this is fine. This doesn't matter. Um, and then your brain being like, oh, OK, so, well, you got worked up, but it's nothing is nothing is happening. And then that relief is the humor. Oh. Um, and so like a good example, a good exception that proves the rule that goes with it is uh, like some people are very comfortable making religion jokes, let's say, something on taboo topics. Um, there are people that will never laugh at a joke about their religion because that violation is never benign, that it's too serious to joke about. You cannot create a benign violation for that topic. Um, and that's kind of, that goes back to taboo stuff yeah, yeah. some. Yeah, I was going to say that that's, that's probably about like, you know, heavy subject matter too like uh anything from religion to violence you know yeah um, uh, and that helps explain why taboo humor is such a big part of humor uh like you know we talk about taboo stuff all the time and especially like when we talk about low-hanging fruit humor um or like you know lowest common denominator humor like if you look at shock jocks taboo humor is so big a part of it because it's so easy like we oh, yeah. could all say something so shocking right now that would get a laugh, probably not a real laugh, and you'd probably regret saying it, but we could all get laughs right now from saying <laughs> yeah. something shocking. Yeah. And that is not me just baiting you. Well, I mean, is it but is it a real laugh or just an audience reaction? 
Right. It, it sounds very similar to a laugh. Like, ah. Is it real humor? Yeah. yeah. Or is it just you get a reaction? Um, which that's a whole other thing uh, that we can bring up. But I do want to describe the third theory that we brought up, uh, which was superiority theory. Um, if you go back to uh, a lot of humor theory stuff starts uh, from a philosophical perspective more than like a societal or like even like a neurochemical perspective. And if you look at old Greek philosophers, every humor theory book starts with old Greek philosophers. Uh, superiority theory is the first one that gets discussed. And it pretty much means I'm going to laugh at something bad happening to other people. And that's all superiority theory is. And we still love it. Yeah. yeah. Like you watch any uh, like Big Bang Theory, like any super popular comedy, it is all superiority theory. It's all status humor. It's us laughing at people. It's us disliking other people. Uh, and it works. That's another one. Despite our baser instincts, uh, or maybe because of them, that works. We love laughing at other people. Oh, yeah. So th that, at least it's not me, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's schadenfreude. It's, it's us oh, yeah, yeah. something. It's the classic, oh, this is also a cliche that shows up in most humor theory books. Man getting hit in football, hit in groin with football. Mm -hmm. We laugh at that. That is something... That is a, it is a cliche in comedy and it's only laughing at someone getting hurt. Yeah. Well, and there, I got, and again, I think you mentioned this uh, near the beginning, Chris, but like a lot of things, uh, instances of, of comedy are, um, have, have multiple things going on because also with a guy getting hit in the balls with a fo football, there also is has to be like a benign threat thing element to it too because it, right. if we think that he's seriously injured um then it will be less funny uh and if it and if it's a, an injury that's gonna just hit hard and then be easy to easy enough fade to away yeah 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 it's oh, we're not gonna let laugh at a guy who gets hit in the balls with an axe because oh my god you know yeah <laughs> If you set your expectations, if you were doing a thriller horror film, uh, you absolutely could have someone get axed in the groin and get a laugh out of it. Yeah, But that's going back to like, because of your circumstances, because of like right. the situation you've created, then we have explained that it's a benign violation again. Well, yeah, it could, because it's also a fiction, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, there was, I guess is what that is, yeah. Yeah, like knowing things are humor is important. Um, there was, uh, I went to see a show at the, um, was it the is it the Arcade Theater? No, what's the what's the smaller theater in Chicago? The Magnet? No, that's in New York. Yeah, uh, there, there's like PH Seven and Playground. Um, no, bigger than those. Not not. Not IO, not too much uh, light makes the baby go blind. Or... No, it's still a specifically comedy theater. What is it called? Okay, uh, uh, the annoyance. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, I wouldn't call that a small one. Oh, I'm okay. so sorry. Just not not one of the giant ones. But yes, it's a very big theater. Um, I saw there. I was there around the holidays, and I saw a um, holiday show, and I was like, "Oh, cool! You know, we do holiday shows in Detroit. I'd love to see how other people do it." And I got there like I was taking there an Uber from another one of the theaters. I was like two minutes late, so I missed the very beginning. And it was a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, uh, show. And I 
was so confused because like five minutes in, I had laughed, but no one else had. And then 10 minutes in, no one had laughed. And I felt like claustrophobic that like the actors were missing their jokes. I was like, this is the worst parody I've ever seen. Like, what are they doing right now? And it was not a comedy show. Just literally, <laughs> they do like the, the Christmas specials of like they did the peanut special and they did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Wow. It was not a comedy parody. I'm just thinking about everybody else in that room like, what the fuck is yeah, his problem? No. Like people were there with kids. I looked insane. Yeah. And like going in and expecting comedy and not getting it feels yeah. horrible. Oh, but that's, man. that was because I had gone in with the set of expectations. I had created this tension expecting <laughs> it to get relieved and it was not. And I hated it. I was so unhappy. You must have looked like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear, just sitting in the back. (laughs) I was in the back because I was late. I was sitting there with a drink. I was with a bunch of families. It was was miserable. It was so bad for everybody involved. That's really funny. And and it's just an interesting side of that because when you started talking about it, um, I, like right now, uh, me and a couple of my friends have been doing a series called serious gear which is um like a parody youtube channel for audio production and uh equipment and 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 whatever and um we play it very straight very dry uh most of the time um and it also looks legit like uh we've got a a, a recording studio that we w- work out of and the camera's nice and blah 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 and and so like uh, I've, I've been getting feedback from people <laughs> it's like sometimes people don't aren't sure that it's comedy. <laughs> uh, a video where you put a box over your head to get the perfect set yes. <laughs> comments that are that are like this can't be serious <laughs> i can i jane they will give it. you a data point i watched i watched that entire video i I was so uncertain if I was supposed to be laughing or not. Wow. <laughs> Until finally, finally, when you put it over your head, I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and so as we're going along, we're, we're like, that idea of like whether or not to expect comedy is um, becoming important to us. And, and we're like, okay, once people know it's comedy, that seal is broken. And anyone who goes, sees one video and, is, and likes it, will then right. approach the rest of the videos uh expecting comedy and 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 it can be kind of tough to like lose audience um if they're like this doesn't seem helpful <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah then you're getting bad uh, reviews bad comments it's like no no no, we are doing it yeah, yeah. So, so that that's kind of what like the direction mm-hmm. i was anticipating when you brought that up but it's also funny that, like how easily you can take something that's meant to be serious as comedy. Yeah. like if you if you go into a movie being told that like this is one of those that's so bad it's good it doesn't matter how sincere the effort is to make a good movie or if that is even true if yeah. you could probably do a case study where you told you know half the people that it's so bad it's good um and then the other people that like this is actually a pretty good film just uh yeah wondering if it's a six yeah. Or seven. um uh, yeah that brings up a great point where like humor Humor obviously means something to us individually. Like everyone has a very personal relationship with humor, but humor also has a very powerful like societal function. Um, so like the example you were just saying of like, let's say, let's tell some of the people in this room that this movie is so bad it's good and they're going to be laughing at it. 
Mm -hmm. Anyone that hasn't been told that, they're going to be sitting there wondering, did I miss something? Like, what, <laughs> what am I not getting right now? And they might start laughing along. Right. Because that's what you do. Uh, like, we've all been in yeah. the back of a quiet house and laughed really loud and really hard to let people know they, they're allowed to. Yeah, give them permission uh, to laugh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like us laughing at something, the fact that it's audible, the fact that it's not just something we do internally, that means that we're using it to communicate information to other people. Right. So like when I laugh at a joke, I'm probably saying a couple of things, but by and large, I'm probably saying I understand this. Like I get it. Um, I'm probably also communicating that I'm relaxed because you don't laugh if you're not relaxed. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm telling the people around me, something has happened and I have noticed it, aha. Uh, so if you if other people are laughing and you aren't laughing, it's why we always wonder like, oh no, oh, I didn't get that joke, why am I so dumb? Right. Yeah, you know, and just as a, uh, as a practical application in improv or sketch, anything that has a host, um, uh, you can also set the tone at the top of it, uh, you know, by inviting people to laugh. Yeah. Um, I, Sean Hanlon, um, at the top of Planet Ant shows, and, and Planet Ant does does more of a mix of uh, uh, drama or tragic, darker subject matter uh, here with with certain shows, and then they'll do sketch comedy and um, you know comedy plays and stuff. Um, and I just thought it was really a great thing that he does at the top of a comedy show. Just be like, Hey everybody, this is a comedy. So feel free to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, and, and uh, you know, feel free to laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like just because the person next to you isn't yeah. laughing. You can still laugh. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's examples. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There was um, uh, a show that uh, still exists online. True colors. Um, but when it was a live show, there was a version of it where we would have guest troops play. Uh, and one guest troop uh, that we had a couple times was a group of uh, uh, younger people, like late teens, early 20s. Um, and they hosted their own show. They hosted their own set. And one time, one of them hosting ended it with, and everybody, we really need the validation. So please laugh really hard at everything <laughs> that we do. And I was like, wait, we're allowed to just say it? Yeah. We can be we're honest and be like, we yeah. need everybody. I appreciate the honesty in that guy. <laughs> it was, oh, it was perfect. Uh, I loved that moment. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so kind of going, going back to the idea of like when studying all these things, which are so fascinating. And uh, if you're a comedy nerd, it's like, oh, you know, it's just fodder for, for that, for us and, I guess anybody who is this deep into the episode, um, it, but like, so how, how knowing that it is something that can suck the fun out of humor or mm. create um, right. two dimensional, one dimensional things. If you're not careful, how do you balance that when you go to create for yourself, Chris? For creating, uh, I think the key is being fast, kind of. Like, definitely not being too dear about it. Um, I mean, the old phrase, uh, write drunk, edit sober, like that sort of thing. Like, if Someone you... Is that one of the theories? 
Yeah, that's one of the theories. Yeah, that, that's the old Hemingway. Uh, God, I hope that's a Hemingway quote because if it's not, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's like we talk about in improv a lot, like just kind of working faster than you could think. Um, because if you're doing that, uh, then you can't stop yourself. Um, but especially with sketch, um, I just taught a sketch workshop uh, on quarantine about specifically about revising things and, and how to rewrite. And the best advice you can ever get for sketch, I think, is write your first draft as quickly as possible because it's just a proposal. All you have right. to do there is get your idea out. Like, okay, there's one kernel, there's one nugget to this. That's what your second draft is for. And then that's where you might start looking at it more of like, okay, let's kind of look at this for tone. Let's look at this for style. What kind of sketch is it? Maybe you're going to apply more, more of a, um, a, a more investigative lens on that. But yeah, for actually just creating stuff, like just get it out there. Just get just get something on paper. Just get a scene started. Um, don't worry about looking at it and how you generated it until later. Because um, yeah, like I would sit down. When I took my first sketch class, it took me four hours to write my first draft of any sketch, which is wow. miserable. I did it. Oh, I, I mean, I got there. I yeah. also love technical accuracy and Pete Jacobs was my teacher and I was like god it takes so long to write sketches he's like why and I was like oh all the research you have to do for your, your technically accurate sketch and he's like no just don't or like naming things you're like what's a good name for a fake company <laughs> yeah like or that's a placeholder and you just yeah. write you know fart incorporated and yeah. then that never gets changed, and that's what's in your final draft. Yep. <laughs> I think it's really great advice because so many people, like, man, procrastination is like a, a creativity killer. So if you can just get the main chunk down on paper, it's yep. so much easier to revise than to write the thing out. So if you yep. just sit down, like, just spew everything you got onto uh, your laptop and and then go back and see what needs to be fixed, if anything. Most yeah. likely, yes. Uh, yeah, it's so much easier. Oh, yeah. And, like, every great sketch can be summarized in one or two sentences. Okay. Like, if you write your first draft and you cannot describe what's happening that simply, you are not writing a sketch. Like, maybe you're writing a novel or something. But even then, yeah. like, if you have too many competing ideas, it's not anything. Your second draft is going to cut it down to one idea anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, yeah, I, I think there's a, there, I, to, I'm going to make another music uh, comparison. Um, but in music, you know, the equivalent would be when you go to uh, mix a, and, and um, make your uh, mixing and editing uh, for a song. Uh, enough with your technical mumbo jumbo. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, and 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 some people get like really really tedious about about like fine tuning these little these little aspects. And I was actually just watching a video uh, that was recommending pretty much exactly what you're saying, Chris, which is to kind of uh, just like shoot from the hip and and really trust your instinct. Um, and uh, it, don't spend more than a couple of minutes on like one instrument or one aspect before you move on to another, um, because otherwise you're gonna you're gonna lose you're gonna lose yourself. You're gonna be in the weeds. Um, and uh, yeah, just just again trusting your your gut uh, and, and the music um the music uh, way of saying that is uh if it sounds good as it is good if it sounds good it is good 
um, yeah. is the thing to keep in mind. And for, for comedy, it's like, if, if it, if it's funny to you, it's funny. It's funny, you know? Yeah. I, and yeah, I think like going along with that, um, like I was saying before, like using humor, humor theory to generate ideas is very hard. Um, the best thing that can probably come out of it is being able to look at the humor you like and maybe put some names to things. Um, but I was talking to Chris Peterson earlier in quarantine and he said, I, I wish I could say it exactly because he said it, it was a very nice sentiment. Um, pretty much that you should only ever write for yourself because you know what you think is funny for anybody else. You're just guessing. So ultimately the only test you have is what you think is funny. So that's what you should write. Uh, and I think humor theory does help with you understanding that yeah. like by being able to be more exact in how you describe comedy, you do create a better awareness of the type of stuff you like and the type of stuff you don't like. Yeah. You're training your sensibilities, right? So, but, but when you go to create, you should be in a place of, um, of intuition if you the, the more you you kind of think about the, the elements and the descriptive theory the more you kind of um you you kind of train your brain to make connections between elements that do or don't exist in in what you're doing so that you can kind of like um apply them without thinking so much when you go to create yeah and especially i'd like to go back to your music examples it's like understanding like when we, if I sat a bunch of people down and showed them a bunch of sketch comedy, they may not be able to group them, to, to put them into boxes. Whereas with music, we have genres. Like you can listen to any music and put it in a genre. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes they're cross genre, you know, all of that stuff, they borrow elements from each other. But we don't have that with comedy as much. Uh, like you can describe them in terms of each other and be like, okay, well, you know, something like Monty Python is, you know, maybe a little bit closer to kids in the hall because of, you know, absurd characters and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but like, we still don't have good words for just like, I can say I like sketch comedy, but it's real hard to say, I like this kind of sketch comedy. Like yeah. I like this tone or this style or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, which would be so helpful for uh, building an audience, right? Yeah. Like, right. this is absurdism, um, you know, yep. or this is satire. But, but I, th I think that, like, to, to a general mainstream audience, it's it's like those words are all just different ways of saying comedy. Exactly. Yep. Absurd humor. Okay, so it's funny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's weird. Okay, well, well all, all humor has some element of humor. Funny guys, guys, it's funny. Come on, yeah. Uh, now, Chris, yeah, you know, you've been doing a lot of direct. Well, you were doing until yeah. I don't anymore. Oh, you're doing a lot of directing. I would imagine like your your improv theory studies has been very helpful. It, maybe even describing like, oh, I like this sketch, but it needs a little more of this, or you know, for example. Yeah, I yeah, especially creating like a cohesive show of finding things that either complement each other, you know, because they're similar or complement each other because they have elements that, you know, maybe they're missing from each other. Uh, and especially looking at, like, if you kind of look at how a lot of humor is broken down to say, okay, this this show does like more blue humor. This, this show does like more taboo humor. 
So then you might change your edits to focus in that direction. Um, or, you know, this show likes absurdity more. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to make this scene a little bit less grounded. Uh, or like, oh, this joke is great, uh, but it's actually too weird. Uh, we've gone too far in the wrong direction. Um, and you, you can put names to all of it, but so often it really is that gut feeling, which yeah. for having just said humor theory is so important, like, it no. is still your gut that comes that it comes to you. When you're giving notes to the writers, it's helpful because it's not just like, well, my gut tells me this is not very fun or it needs more. Like, yeah. hey, I like your sketch, but you know, it could look, and here's why it needs a little bit more of this. Uh, not just my gut judging you. It's, uh, you know, there's a theory. That is, yeah. That's very true. Um, like I'm very fortunate. I've gotten to work with really nice writers and actors in the shows that I directed in the last year. Um, but it is always helpful uh, to be able to yeah, give a reason. Like even yeah. if it's not something they did they agree with, to at least be like, I have logic behind this. Yeah, it's not just so random. Like, ah, it's Tuesday. I don't like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, we're going for this. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. direction yeah. going in. <laughs> um, uh, well, awesome. This has been such a great conversation, Chris. Um, I'm really glad we got to talk about humor theory. I'm, I'm sure that there are a lot of people disappointed that misread it as humor therapy. Uh, this one. Oh, yeah. Listen, yeah. You're, you're gonna find that person. They're gonna be so. They will come on. They'll do it themselves. <laughs> in my defense, I was building a truck at the same time. So okay. <laughs> But uh, before we, I don't know if that makes people more <laughs> more comfortable with this show or the trucks that you're building. Uh, I, I pay attention equally to both. So, <laughs> um, before we let you go, Chris, uh, is is there anything that you want to plug in the virtual world or? Anything? Yeah, uh, I mean, one keep checking out GoComedy.net uh, for everything going on uh, digitally there. Um, but a very talented group of people, uh, the current uh, launch group at Go Comedy, um, uh, which is a, a troupe that performs with dedicated coaching every week until the world ended. Uh, they're releasing an audio album called Dub Bureau. I think it's just self-titled. Uh, I believe it's already out. Um, I have not heard it. I just know they're a wonderfully talented group of people. Uh, and I'm sure that it's wonderful. So, yeah, find out. Yeah, love to see people doing the um, the audio sketch comedy thing because I think that especially with the pandemic going going for however much longer it's going to be going, uh, it's a nice opportunity to explore that and good on them for um, producing uh, an album. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they weren't using all your tips while they were recording this, though, James. That would be. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, we will uh, leave a link um, to. The bureau in uh the description chris thanks again for joining um for all things improv faq you can check us out on youtube uh where you'll find the most current up-to-date content you can also find content on facebook uh and instagram and uh if you have any suggestions for topics or guests you can email us at improv faq at gmail and thanks again for joining. We'll catch you next time on Improv FAQ at length. Bye. Uh, thanks. Bye.